Welcome to 28 and Searching. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I have Don and Alex Morse on with me. Thanks for coming on my show, guys. It's great to be on. We're looking forward to the interview. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Where are you guys currently located? How old are you guys? How many years have you been in your industry? That sort of thing. Okay, I'll let Alex start. <laughs> Thank you, Don. <laughs> so we are... Uh, a while ago, we saw how uh, there's kind of three phases in your life. The first phase is you're a kid up until 20. Then from 20 to 60, you're uh, working for corporate America, raising kids and everything else. And then uh, we saw a billboard that says that one in six people reading this will live to 100. So that third phase is from 60 to 100. <laughs> and nobody you know it's it's kind of this is new territory people don't know what you what to do in the third phase of life and everybody that we had talked to um that had retired it in their early 60s uh the highlight of their life was going to costco so we wanted to um have a, a, a better life than that kind of more interesting and more fun so we are in our early 60s and uh, living in uh, Seattle, Washington. And so this is our third phase of life and um, our uh, kind of a new venture force in which we started a uh, 3D photography, scanning and printing business about two and a half years ago. And that um, we look at uh, doing this uh, for the foreseeable future until, well, you know, something like 80 or 85, and then we'll sell it for a gazillion dollars and uh, <laughs> and, and then just uh, coast and, and travel until we're 100. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> so what exactly are your guys' job titles and what does it mean that you do? Well, you know, we, we use the title of managing partners, but we could be co-founders, we could be whatever title we want to be. Um, but basically, we have our daily operations that really, you know, consist of running our studio. So we're a by appointment um, 3D photographer. We have a studio in downtown Kirkland. Um, we also have two staff um, members that are 3D artists, but they're in the studio probably more than we are. Um, we spend a lot of our time going out and marketing, doing uh, different shows. We just got back from San Diego. We have a show in Chicago. We have the World Fair Nano in San Francisco coming up. So really what we have found in this uh, new venture is that education is key. A lot of people heard about 3D because of the medical community, dentistry, and a lot of other things, but they really haven't seen it in a retail application where you actually have a storefront. So we spend a lot of our time talking about the technology as well as the printing. And so I would say most of what we do is, is marketing and building up awareness so people know where they can go to to capture those life events of a wedding so they can get a wedding cake topper or a family portrait that they can send to the grandparents at Christmas. So that's what we spend most of our time doing. And then looking at new um, 
new um, revenue streams or opportunities, and Alex can talk about that because that requires a lot of scanning and a lot more advanced technology than just our, our studio. Yeah, so we started, uh, we were lucky enough that uh, when we first started, we hired a, a company to come up with a, a name for our company, and that was probably the best money we spent uh, because they came up with uh, Holodeck 3D Studios. And in the old days of Star Trek, a holodeck was where they're on a spaceship for uh, uh, quite a few years. So the holodeck allowed them to go into an alternate reality and be surrounded by oh, trees or a city or whatever it may be. And so the company uh, allowed us to come up with some, kind of a name that many people would recognize but also by using uh, the word studios, it gave us the uh, flexibility to uh, do not only 3D photography and, um, and printing of, of people and pets, but then to now go into what we're uh, going into is augmented reality and virtual reality. And it's, it's called digital, we're creating digital assets for alter, uh, AR and VR. And that's where um, many companies from uh, Microsoft and Facebook and uh, Apple and Google are coming up with kind of the hardware and software to do mm -hmm. uh, internet uh, AR and VR, but they don't have the, uh, they're limited on what the, what's the content in, in that uh, digital world. And that's where we can do scanning and provide that for companies to use for marketing or whatever other purposes they have, entertainment. That yeah, kind of thing. that's very cool. So, I mean, you guys are talking about a pretty high-tech industry that you're looking in. It sounds pretty new. So how did you get there? <laughs> so, um, let's see. Well, the oh, how did we get started? Yeah. Oh, so the... Um, Let's see, we call it the moon's aligning to kind of come to this spot. And uh, kind of one thing is our th uh, third daughter was graduating from college. Uh, we were both not very uh, oh, satisfied, I guess, or fulfilled in our corporate lives anymore. And Don had... Um, was managing an office in Seattle and one in San Francisco, and she had gone down to visit her parents in Palo Alto, close to San Francisco, and uh, found a 3D uh, statue or figurine or mini-me of her dad uh, at their house. And it was uh, six inches tall, and he's in a t-shirt and slacks and his uh, thumbs are in his the belt of his pants and uh, he's 85 years old and has kind of a pot belly and exactly like him and wow. she fell in love with it in that this was exactly him this was his personality and um, this is a way she would always remember him and uh, so um, I don't think she even asked permission. She took it and brought it home uh, and showed me. And uh, we looked into what's this whole thing about 3D scanning and looked at different companies that do it. 
And um, we thought, you know what, let's, uh, this is a, a good time in our lives to take a, a risk to um, kind of start a, a, our own business while uh, working at our existing corporate jobs. So we would, for the first year, we were uh, working full time for our corporate jobs and then doing this on nights and weekends. And then a year and a half ago, we um, gave up our full time jobs and are doing this full time and uh, having a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, since it's so unique what you guys are kind of doing and the fact that you own your own business, uh, would you say that, you you know, if somebody was looking at going into this, do you think they need any sort of training or a degree or anything to kind of um, help them along if they wanted to get into this industry? Let's see, well, to, to get into this industry, um, one, it's uh, schools are just now kind of, of uh, both at a community college level or technical college, and even the, the major uh, four-year colleges are just now um, starting to, maybe in the last few years, I guess, be providing the, the education in 3D software that, uh, because uh, the gaming industry uses this heavily, and that's what they're looking for. And um, people that are trained uh, to do uh, gaming uh, can make very good money, but there's also uh, somewhat limited uh, opportunities in that there's uh, a number of companies, but there's only so many games that can be created. And to be here in Seattle, that uh, there's a lot of gaming companies as well as a lot of uh, high-tech uh, computer companies that are, we, we do have a, a talent pool, but across the United States, uh, a lot of high schools now have 3D printers and are teaching kind of that kind of aspect. So it's, the training's available um, and accessible. It just takes some time to learn it. And, um, and probably, uh, you know, a, a good basis is that if you like photography and uh, using Photoshop, that's a good start to going, yep, this is a, a, a passion for me. And, uh, but if it's, if you even just want to do a quick test of uh, whether you enjoy it is, uh, if you really don't want to dive into Photoshop, then you probably don't like 3D. So. I kind of add that. I'm, I'm not sure. One of my favorite um um, billboards I saw in San Francisco was um, higher, higher skill, not school. And I'm not totally convinced at all that this is a field where you need a um, degree. I think oftentimes, you know, companies just use that in order to kind of, you know, weed out the the um, resume pool. But I, because what we have found is a lot of the 3D artists and people in this field are really self-taught. They have dived into so many different tutorials, um, trial and error, just in trying to make things work. So it's a very close-knit community where everybody, um, you know, discovers a problem. They can't figure out how to fix something, and so they go out to the community and, and talk about their problem and 
and then they, you know, try to figure out a solution for it. So, um, you know, because the technology is so new, um, it's really just trial and error, and it's the people that that don't mind doing the research um, to figure out how to do it that seem to be, you know, some of the best, like for us, some of the best candidates um, for working with us. Sure. And so if you're looking at that, what are some of the personality traits that you think really benefit somebody in this industry? Um, you know, I, I think it's the people that take the initiative to do a lot of research and, um, you know, just looking on, you know, the web to figure out, um, you know, what they, what they need to do differently, how to solve a problem. So it's really those people that are self-motivated and self-guided that, um, you know, are kind of research-driven. And, um, you know, and, and those are for the people that are just actually doing, you know, the work, the 3D modelers and, and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's probably um, a position where a lot of these people are very independent thinkers, um, not as much collaborative. Although they do collaborate when they're trying to figure out a problem and they're reaching out to their community. And what would be the one trait that if somebody had it, it's the worst possible trait and they should just stay away from this. They should not go into this industry at all. Mm. That would be somebody that is not detailed oriented. Um, it, 3D artistry and work is very labor intensive and tedious. Um, there's not a software program that's really easy to use and they're not intuitive. And so you really need somebody that, you know, pays attention to detail and can um, try to figure things out. And so somebody that just, um, you know, wants it, uh, you know, just something that's easy and that they don't want to work really hard at. Um, probably isn't a, a good choice for them because it, it's tedious work, I think. Sure. And what are parts of your guys' personalities that have struggled with this career choice where you've either had to change what you're doing or change yourself to kind of make you successful in what you do? Well, I think I'll flip that question a little bit in uh, this is where I've come to appreciate uh, maybe Kind of across the board is that uh, you need a yin and a yang that uh, Dawn and I complement each other really well in that she's a, a very social person uh, people like her right away and uh, she connects with them to um, to for whatever the issue may be and then on the flip side you need someone that's technical um, that can handle a What's, why, why is this equipment not working and can go ahead and, and either have the, have the background or the skill set to learn uh, to troubleshoot and resolve technical problems and to go through all the, the different scenarios. So uh, to tell you the truth, it, it's a very, very rare person that ha has that mix of uh, 
of being able to be detailed and sociable and technical and uh, kind of well-rounded. So um, I, I think that's probably, <laughs> we, we backstop each other on many things. And so since this is a kind of new industry, what are the different jobs that are available within companies like yours? Well, I think as an industry, it, um, certainly there's what's called business to business um, 3D and just amazing things going on. And uh, I actually recommend to to every teenager that comes in our studio or that I meet at an event is to, you know, definitely jump into the 3D world and to embrace it because that's the future, uh, if not now, within a few years. That uh, manufacturing and and probably many of your listeners know of um, oh, teeth that are being made at the dentist on a 3D printer. And the way he's doing that is scanning uh, the mouth and then the uh, it goes to the printer and it comes out in a couple of hours and goes into the person's mouth and versus um, a mold being made and going off for a couple of weeks before it comes back. Uh, bones are being made um, and uh, let's see, as well as metal parts. I, th I think one of my favorite stories is uh, there's a, a local aeronautics company that um, they float a nugget of metal in the air through magnetism. And then they have three, uh, three, three 3D printers that are adding metal to that nugget. And then they're rotating the nugget uh, and building their part uh, in midair until it's finally built. And then that way they're not constrained by having to start from a flat surface on the ground and building up. And um, and it's and then the um, other part of it is uh, companies are learning that uh, on training, say, service people on how to repair something, that by putting on something like uh, a number of different uh, manufacturers have goggles that are clear, that it allows you to uh, look at, be able to work on a repair a part that's in front of you but also to bring up an instruction manual or a video or uh, any other information you need to actually repair that part when uh, and you, you're doing it at, at that time rather than having a book in front of you. And you're using augmented reality um, goggles. So the person, if you're repairing something, um, the somebody in a corporate headquarters can actually point to the to the wire that you need to cut or whatever the case may be. So it's real time, you know, somebody assisting you in, in training. Wow. So there's just so many different avenues, you know, in, in 3D from augmented reality and virtual reality and, and mm -hmm. you know, the animation, the rigging, um, and and texture and mesh and just so many different avenues for people to learn about. And there's a, a number of companies that do what's called reverse engineering, where they can go ahead and scan a part from 1935 and then turn it into a, a CAD file and then be able to manufacture that 
that part without any existing drawings. So uh, that a lot of companies are doing that now because they they no longer they no longer have the uh, drawings that detailed how that part was made back 50 years ago. So it's really expanding across many different industries. Yeah. Correct. Almost every industry. And and certainly one of the fun things that's coming up is in fashion where uh, there's a number of companies that if you get scanned, then the scan knows every single dimension of your body and then when you pick out that uh, top or the uh, dress or the suit or the jacket, then it's made to your dimensions rather than uh, coming over as uh, one of 10,000 and then having to be uh, hemmed by a, a tailor. Or altered. or altered. And and so, you know, we, we work with somebody that is moving their business to San Francisco because they they really want to bring 3D into the fashion industry. And so um, they're looking, you know, for people in in that industry, in the fashion industry, um, which is really big because um, that's going to change the way that we just try on clothes. We're going to have virtual changing rooms where you might come into our studio, be scanned to make your avatar. Then you upload your, your, your own model your own avatar into say for instance a Nordstrom or an Amazon site and then you can drag and drop clothes and see what size fits better is it a small medium large um, and you know maybe what designers work best um, so you'll be able to try on clothes virtually as opposed to having to order something find out it doesn't fit and then ship it back um, you'll be able to, to know that before you get products that are not right. I don't think so. I, I think it's really going to change the world when we do 3D printing and manufacturing this way. You know, we're going to be more of a just-in-time. Um, you know, if you need a screw, you're going to print a screw. You know, you're not going to have to have a company in China that mass produces, you know, 80 million screws and then ships it to the U.S. to sell you're just going to be able to print whatever you need. So I, I think it's going to have a real impact on, um, you know, our economy, on, you know, uh, on the earth. I think we're going to be, we're going to really, uh, if we just print what we need instead of manufacturing things in this quantity that go into the landfill, I think we're going to have a good impact on the earth as well. I hope at least. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so, then you look at how much it costs or how much the carbon footprint is when you when you ship things mm -hmm. via plane or train or boat. That's huge carbon imprint, you know, imprint on our on our earth. So I would hope that by just printing what we need helps us um, save the earth as well. Okay. And so, what would be some of the drawbacks of of your career choice? Hmm. It's well, hard. <laughs> um, but you know what? We really like it. I, I think um, the drawback is, is that because it hasn't really been done before, 
you have to spend a lot more time researching and um, working with other people to figure out solutions to um, problems. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that that's a drawback, um, be, but it does take longer to do something because it hasn't been done right. necessarily before. Well, and, and Don likes explaining to people that, um, that if you're doing this industry, you're one of the early adopters of the 3D um, mindset and printing. And most 3D printing is from business to business. And our particular niche is one of the few that's actually business to consumer. Mm -hmm. that, uh, many people may have bought uh, their own 3D printer and then used it a dozen times and then now it's in the garage gathering dust or whatever. And whereas we've been around for a couple of years and um, we are printing in a, in a variety of materials and becoming a resource, local resource for 3D questions or questions about the 3D industry. And, and that's what I enjoy is uh, being in that kind of uh, subject matter expert type of uh, uh, field. Sure. And, yeah, so. Okay, so what has been your guys' worst day so far? Well, my, mine was coming back last week from San Diego with a trailer behind the car and in California, it turns out you can only go 55 miles an hour when you're a car towing a trailer, whereas in Washington, you can go the speed limit. So mm -hmm. it, getting a ticket was... <laughs> oh. <laughs> we, we were coming back from a show and it was a long haul and, you know, the last thing you want to do is get a ticket. But, you know, I think sometimes for me, the, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I want to be more of a people pleaser and I think... For me, what's the most difficult is when people don't understand the um, limitations of the technology of 3D printing, that they get their, uh, say for instance, we're doing a 3D print or a sculpture of them, they expect it to be photorealistic. And they don't really understand that the texture, the color, and everything is not quite as accurate as they think it should be. They think it should be exactly like their photo. And they just don't get that, you know, here we're building a sculpture using hundreds of layers of a very, very fine powder. And then, you know, using HP inkjet heads to apply the color line by line for it to build a plaid shirt or something. And um, their expectations are so high that, you know, it's, I think something looks absolutely gorgeous. I'm pleased with the print and they're kind of like, oh, well, this doesn't really, this, this doesn't look exactly like me. And, you know, and, and I feel bad because I feel like I failed to really educate them that this is brand new technology in, in, you know, two years, five years, whatever that that would change but like right now it's kind of like when tvs like when the first flat panel tv came out you know it was big it was bulky it was really expensive our first flat panel was uh, that we bought was six thousand dollars now you can buy one for 
$350. It's weight, the quality is so much better. And um, that's where 3D printing and technology is. You know, in, in years from now, it's gonna be bigger, faster, cheaper, better, um, all of those kinds of things. But But we are in a society where we expect things to be perfect from the get-go. And on the retail side, that's just not the way it is. And so for me, it's just, um, it can be disappointing when I think something turned out fabulous because I know the limitations of a printer, whereas somebody just walking off the street doesn't. And, you know, they see our 3D prints in our studio and think they're just absolutely amazing. Um, But they don't really know those people. They don't really know that what they're looking at isn't an exact replica that the person might be lighter or darker than what their print came out or their color of their hair might be different. And so their expectations are much higher than what the technology can deliver right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a hard case whenever you're dealing with customers to be able to satisfy all expectations, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so if we flip it, though, what has been the best day of your guys' career so far? Oh, let's see. Ooh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, um, you know, I think lately, now that we're a little bit more established, we get some of the most bizarre requests. And, and I don't mean bizarre like in freaky or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. stuff that I would not have really ever considered us doing, but um, people have so many different ideas. And so I think for us, it's like, wow, that's really a clever idea. And then um, then we have to research it and figure out how we're going to do it. And so I think for us, just on a daily basis, meeting people that have thought of different applications uh, or, or wanting to partner with us to do something that's um, different is really fun because it's it's constant innovation, constantly learning to do something new and coming up with you know new ideas. Well, and and I think one kind of highlight is the first day we we fell into our studio by chance through our banker, and it's in a great location, and uh, we love being here by the the Lake Washington and a. And a marina, and lots of people are coming and going past us, and so, um, so I think that first day of essentially hanging the the uh, shingle. shingle up onto the the window and saying, "Yep, this is our studio." It was that mix of um, uh, happiness and fear mixed <laughs> in together. Of what did we get ourselves into? So, uh, <laughs> And you know that's and what a, a, a what a great uh, position to be in. I think though that um, here we are in that '60s neighborhood and um, to be looking forward to uh, things that are going to be changing and we don't know what the future holds for us, but we know it's going to be exciting and different and new and. Uh, creative and we get to meet and talk to lots of people and uh, do some traveling so that's so I I, I think uh, 
the the other thing we always kind of you know chuckled about when we first opened the business was that we would have people come in for these photo shoots and you know when they come in they're typically coming in for some type of a life event they um they're getting married and they want a cake topper or they're pregnant and want to capture that moment or they have a child that's graduating or something so we end up spending, you know, time with them and getting to know their story. And um, we always say that, you know, art, what makes art valuable is the story behind it. And we always feel like we're creating a little bit of art because every sculpture has a story. And, you know, oftentimes we'll get um, hugs by the people that we're, we're scanning and we're doing, you know, whether it's kids or adults, and we're thinking, wow, when we're in the corporate world, nobody ever gave us a hug doing a talk, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's what was really surprising, or we just have people that just come and we have a, a little sofa and a chair in our studio, and, you know, people just come in and sit down and just start chatting. And, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, that that turned out to be in that unexpected um, pleasure of our business, too, that we really we really enjoy. Yeah. And so if somebody wanted to open their own studio and they, they want to do this, what are some of the benefits that they can expect getting into this type of business decision? Um, well, I think one of the things that um, benefits, I, I think the benefit is just, you know, being your own boss, making your own rules, deciding whether or not you want to expand into different areas or if you want to just stay, um, you know, an expert in one particular 3D field or whatever. I do think it's a very, very difficult business um, because... Um, of the newness and, you know, that it's, it's a lot more expensive than um, people realize. Um, the failure rate on 3D printing and the like is quite high. And so it's a difficult business, but, but um, I think it depends what, what your expectations are. Um, but the benefit of, like any other small business, is really being your own boss and being able to behave your own way. Okay. And yeah. what was the thing that kind of made you guys fall in love with this idea that you chose? I mean, you guys could have chosen anything to start your own business. What made you fall in love with this? Uh, that nobody else is doing it, I think, is one for me that... Um, we, for example, we'd looked at uh, opening up a laser tag facility, and other people have done that, and they're kind of spread around the country, but a lot of them have failed. And um, We looked at doing a winery, um, wedding venues. We, uh, we looked at a lot of different business opportunities. Uh -huh. um, but I think what this provided for us, uh, one is its engagement with people, of constantly talking to people and keeping us active and engaged and socializing. And then also the um, keeping, keeping your technology skills uh, up to date. Uh, you know, like if, if we were to start a different type of business, um, 
you may not have to be that techie. Um, and, and we think, you know, technology is going to be the wave of the future forever. And so it's great to stay engaged and constantly learning. Mm-hmm. Well, and for example, we have a, uh, I, I met a man that oh, was probably like, oh, five or eight years younger than, than myself. And he's, he was struggling how to, uh, how to use his iPhone that type of thing, and here I am juggling, I don't know, three Macs and uh, five PCs and a uh, cap, you know, scanning capture booth uh, with uh, Raspberry Pis and uh, things like that. So uh, lots of things that fail. Prepare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I'm the Yang part. Remember that gets to fix all those things, whereas. Uh, Dawn just goes, oh, this this doesn't work. So, <laughs> okay. And so, what uh, you guys do you ha- currently have any type of expansion plans or anything fun, new, exciting that's going on with your business? You know, we we would really love to find a place in downtown Seattle to start another studio. And and we've just been passively looking, like when if we're in Seattle and we see space, we kind of look at that because we think that there's so many tourists and locals in Seattle that have not seen um, this technology before. So we kind of are thinking about um, adding another um, store. And then the other, the other side is really starting to create digital assets for the AR and the VR um, world um, because um, they need um, things to be scanned and artists that can do the touch-up work. And um, it's been really fun. We've done, a, you know, scanning work for a lot of companies that either they're using um, artificial intelligence, so they want us to scan somebody so they can um, make them talk and make them walk and do all the things that they want them to do. Um, or avatars for video games and, and the like. So I think we're going to continue to, um, you know, expand that as well um, so we can provide those assets to, you know, the AR and the AI um, community. Very cool. Very cool. And what, what is your guys' website in case people are looking for you? It's um, Holodeck. 3D Studios, so H-O-L-O-D-E-C-K, 3D Studios. Perfect. And so we've kind of got over, um, you know, what you guys are doing and this amazing, you know, new technology that's kind of, you know, being created and how you guys are, you know, going into that career development of it. Um, So I just have a few more questions for you. What did you guys want to be when you were kids? (laughs) <laughs> so when I was a kid, I wanted to be a uh, jockey for uh, racing horses, and, and, um, on, and that was, you know, kind of at the age of around eight, and unfortunately, I think I was uh, 6'2 by the age of 12, so... That dream died. dashed, you know. I weighed 100 pounds and uh, was too tall, so... And, and I think I just wanted to be rich. I didn't really care how to do it. <laughs> and I thought at the time, oh, brain surgeons probably 
lot of money, but um, you know that that just never even got close to happening. Um, but um, you know, I I think for me, I just fell into a career like most people. They they don't really know what they want to do, and there's just an opportunity that opens up, and then you kind of follow that path, and then you have a career. Yeah, you know, and started working for high tech um, companies and startups, and um, you know, I think that's both where both of us got a little bit of the entrepreneurial spirit. Is he worked for biotech, and then I worked for high tech. And, um, you know, both with startups and, you know, they're just a lot of fun because you get to wear so many different hats and learn so much. Yeah, absolutely. And what is the best piece of business advice you guys have received? Well, um, I think for me, the best advice I received was from some friends that uh, we met in the last five years. and. Uh, his idea was that to be successful, you need three things. One is you need to have an opportunity. Then you need to recognize the opportunity. And then you need to be in a position to take advantage of the opportunity. And we have a, a friend that she's uh, 22 in San Francisco. and she wants to be looking for a new job. And uh, we know that all of the corporations now use LinkedIn recruiters and headhunters to find uh, people. And so looking at her LinkedIn, um, it was as no picture, no history, you know, it was just a token LinkedIn type of thing. So she wasn't giving herself that, that having an opportunity. So, um, she updated her LinkedIn and a couple of days later received a, a call from a recruiter for Facebook to, and is going to be having an interview. So okay. that's right. So you need to help help create your opportunities a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where uh, talking to people and uh, letting them know that you're interested in doing something else. Absolutely. And so if somebody's listening to this and they're currently really discouraged in their job and they don't love what they do, what would be your piece of advice to them um, at this point? Well, for me, you know, having three daughters. <laughs> and, we have lots um, of advice. Yes, we have lots of advice. <laughs> Um, but to us, you know, one is we we feel that, you know, stick with what you're doing until you are ready to, um, until you get your next opportunity. Um, because so often we hear that, I'm just going to quit my job, I just don't like it. And, and we kind of feel like, you know what, you can still continue to work, but explore other opportunities. And, um, and like for us, when we changed, um, we still had one foot in the corporate world and then one foot into, you know, the entrepreneurial world um, before we finally, you know, jumped in with both feet. And But that's kind of, you know, risk mitigation for us, I guess. But um, 
and and I think that's just the way we are. Um, but you know, I, I I would just really say you you have you know there's so many hours in the day that you can work, and then you can build a second career or research a second career or take classes or whatever you need to do to get where you want to go. And and I think in for uh, what I see is that kind of there's a couple of things that have, uh, if you're interested in something that's totally outside your field that you think, you know what, I, I enjoyed uh, drawing and sketching floor plans of homes when I was uh, eight years old, but kind of lost that passion. And now you're doing something that isn't as much fun. There's so many meetup uh, groups that get together for sketch artists or whatever it may be. So. Uh, I guess I would recommend testing the waters to see if kind of the people and the things they do um, are of interest to you and, and get you excited and uh, enjoy what you're going to be doing. And then, uh, of course, then there's, um, you still have your regular full-time job. Is can you volunteer to do something on weekends that to, for you to test the waters and make sure that that's a passion for you to, to keep pursuing? Yeah, absolutely. So I I love what you guys are doing. It's really exciting, interesting, new. I am ecstatic that you guys came on and talked to me. Thank you so much for coming on my show today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was great mm -hmm. talking to you. If you like this episode or you're looking to change your career, go to 28andsearching.com or become a patron to get exclusive content sent directly to you. See you next week.